welcome SaaS people to the SaaS Revolution show, bringing you front row seats to the SaaS Revolution courtesy of Sascribe Media. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Sumer, and really excited to, to be joined today um, by somebody who is the, uh, well, the first CMO at uh, one of the fastest growing, or if not the fastest growing SaaS company. Um, uh, that is, uh, if you haven't guessed already, Bill Mesitis, uh CMO at Slack. Welcome, Bill. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, so it's a real pleasure. Say so stoked to have you uh, on the show. Now, um, just a short intro. I think, uh, well, a lot of people within the industry, they, they probably don't need the intro and know, know who you are. But uh, uh, I'll give a, just a, a quick uh, sort of uh, recap um, uh, for those that perhaps don't know your, your full sort of background. So as I understand, you've got uh, over 20 years experience in online marketing and have built marketing teams at some, you know, of the most super successful companies um, uh, out there, such as Zen desk and Salesforce and, uh, you know, Fox Interactive Media, quite a varied uh, sort of B2B, B2C uh, background as well. And uh, uh, as mentioned, you, you joined the fastest growing enterprise SaaS, uh, Slack, as its first, uh, well, was it first marketing hire and CMO in December 2014, uh, if that's right? Yeah, that, that is correct. Okay, so pretty much coming up to the uh, the one year anniversary then, a uh, work anniversary. So premature happy uh, anniversary uh, to you there. Um, uh, so um, let, let's jump into the questions. I kind of want to, you know, focus today around this, you, you know, being the first CMO uh, at Slack. Um, um, so uh, I, I guess sort of jumping into it, um, you, you know, you are the first CMO hire at, you know, the fastest growing SaaS company. Slack have been mega successful, you know, without the CMO, you know, without much sort of marketing department at all, um, you know, before you. So, so what is the first thing that you did, you know, that you implemented when you started? Yeah, it was, um, you know, for me, it was an incredible opportunity to, to join Slack. And, you know, sometimes you get asked that question, like, hey, the company's doing pretty well. You know, what do you need marketing for? And I mean, the way I've always looked at it is that marketing is really the, the fuel to the fire. You know, once you've got great product market fit, um, marketing and, and all the different tools that we have, everything from advertising to nurturing to conversion rate marketing to split testing to positioning, messaging, those are all the, the tools that can help just accelerate that growth further. So I think one of the first things I did and what I usually do is I was marketing employee one. And I'm like, let's build out the analytics infrastructure. Um, to help us understand where we stand and what are some of the key metrics. Uh, and, you know, one of the first things we did is we did a, uh, an aided and unaided brand recall study. Just to understand, like, you know, how many people actually know about Slack and what is their sentiment towards it. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting because the first one we did, and this is going back a year ago, you know, we had about a 1.2% uh, unaided awareness. And it really just spoke to the opportunity. And it was pretty amazing because as fast as, Slack was growing, uh, there still was, you know, 99% of our target audience out there just did not know about us. Um, and, I, and I think sometimes, you know, when you're in Silicon Valley, you do get caught in a little bubble where everyone knows the, the biggest startups and how fast they are and, you know, how they're growing. But um, we saw Slack just had this massive opportunity to expand um, and to really reach new audiences. Um, and it really was any knowledge worker out there who's, you know, works in teams. So um, that was really the basis as really understanding what are some of our core metrics were. Um, you know, and then from there we expanded into things like measuring like net promoter score and CSAT and some of the other core metrics that I think are really important to know as an organization. Okay. Just, 
how, how important have your B2C skills been? Because you, you worked in a, a quite a few sort of B2C companies before, you know, moving into the likes of Salesforce and, uh, and, and Zendesk. And um, so now working in a B2B now with Slack, that is a poster boy for, you know, consumerization of enterprise software. You know, are you, are you finding that you're using these B2C skills uh, uh, quite a lot? Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's it's a really good balance to have both B2C and B2B um, background and skill sets. You know, I think one of the reasons Slack has been very successful is that when you kind of went back and looked at uh, Stuart, our, our CEO's background, and a lot of the founders, they really didn't have any enterprise, quote-unquote, experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I often tell them, like, bless your heart, because you had no enterprise design experience. <laughs> Anybody that used enterprise software in the past and knows, like, how crappy they are and what a pain in the ass they are. So, um, you know, they really brought a, a fresh perspective to kind of an age-old issue, which is just, you know, how do teams communicate with each other? Um, you know, and there's a lot of good stats out there. You know, 47% of our days we spend triaging through our email, communicating with team members, searching for information, and that was just this really massive pain point that Slack addressed, um, but really from a, you know, a fresh mind and a more B2C approach. So, uh, you know, from the marketing side, I think the same thing, you know, Slack is really interesting because for most B2B companies, you have a very specific vertical or functional team that you're going after. And and one of the things that was different about Slack was we saw that we were getting use cases from all different types of departments. So we had the marketing department, the sales department, the finance department, um, the dev department, um, as well as like small businesses, mid-market, enterprise. And so it almost was a little bit of more of a consumer play where we could start to use a little bit more different consumer type tactics to reach that audience because that audience was so broad-based um, and applicable. Uh, so I think definitely having that consumer background with a kind of a customer-centric approach um, has helped has helped Slack grow and has helped me in particular. Awesome. You, you, you mentioned the use cases there and... Um, you know, for for me, sort of, well, certainly interesting for me that, you know, when I started um, uh, Sascribe in February uh, of this year, you, you know, it, it, it was just myself, right? But Slack was kind of, you know, the hottest thing since sliced bread in, you, you know, in, in, the, in the land of SaaS. Uh, and I'm like, I'm dying to use this product, but it's just me. So, how, you know, how do, how do I do it? But actually now, um, you, you know, I mean, as Sascribe has grown, but, you know, uh, typically, we, you, you know, there, there isn't really a, a team. It's more, you know, contributors yeah. um, within the community. And my specific use case uh, is actually more around um, online communities, um, you know, Slack groups, um, yeah. you know, uh, specifically around content marketing. And, and that's where I'm using it. And I see there's so many different use cases for for Slack, it's uh, it's pretty incredible, right? Yeah, it's we've been really just kind of overwhelmed um, in, a, in a really great way with just how many different use cases and how people are using Slack. Um, you know, and at its core, we just you know we want to be great and help people out for team communications. You know, for for those in the audience that that haven't heard of Slack or what we do is uh, we basically we bring together all of your teams communications in one place. Uh, we dramatically uh, reduce email or completely eliminate it for your internal side. Um, and it's just really a simple and easy tool to use. And, and I think just kind of having that core value proposition, you know, and you think about just how much of your daily life you spent, you know, in emails and meetings. I know before Slack, I felt like I wasted two years of my life in, this, in the dreaded status update meeting. 
Um, and it just really just kind of addressed that core pain point. And so we see the primarily use case is for people within companies. It's to manage all of their internal teams communications. Um, but we increasingly see a lot of uh, great communities using it. Um, and it's just kind of exciting to see Slack grow and, and all the different use cases. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, content marketing, um, you know, perhaps breaking that down further, blogging, um, you, you know, is, is all the rage and perhaps many SaaS startups first, you know, in, in key inbound marketing strategy. You know, ha has it also been, you know, uh, an early uh, key marketing strategy for Slack? Yeah, definitely. So I'm, I'm a huge believer in content marketing. And, and I think content marketing done the right way. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think you get this, Alex, and I know a lot of your, your listeners do as well. But, you know, we've all seen bad content marketing. <laughs> you know, it's where it's basically brochureware content marketing where yeah. you're only talking about your company and why you're awesome. And you're not really providing anything of value to your, um, to your customers, your prospects. And so I've always really believed in, in breaking down that content marketing funnel, thinking about top of funnel, mid funnel, bottom funnel content, um, what that is, how it's helpful to the audience, what pain points you're, you're talking about. And one of the things we, we did differently is we really wanted to go after top of funnel content uh, but at the same way be a little bit channel agnostic about it and not necessarily just um, – you know, do blog or PDF type uh, content for it. And so one of the things we launched was we, we did a Slack variety pack podcast. Yeah. And it was really about work and life and the history of a lot of interesting things like, you know, how the, the modern uh, weekend even came about, you know, how people started to think about, you know, cubes and office designs and just, you know, and it was, and it kind of had our brand and our tone behind it. It was a very, we talked about inspirational topics. Um, we talked about topics about work, about life, um, you know, in a very human voice. And, and for those, if, if you listen to it, Slack Variety Pack, but it's, it's not a hard sell on Slack. You know, we really don't push it hard. We, we tangentially will introduce it, but for the most part, we, uh, the company we work with, uh, Pacific Content, who's been phenomenal, we give them a lot of latitude to think about what are the topics we go into. Um, and it's a great way to just, you know, reach new prospects, introduce them to our brand, but also be there for existing customers and and basically have them walk away with the emotions they feel about the podcast transfer onto our brand. And so that's been something that's been really successful for us just from the amount of pure listens we've gotten relative to the amount of investment that we put into it. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely love the uh, Slack Variety Pack podcast and not, not just saying that, but uh, some of the, uh, well, I guess, kind of uh, experiences I've had with it, you uh, touching on what you mentioned, that um, I think initially when it launched, um, you know, I wasn't even sure because, you know, you, you don't really talk about Slack that much and it because it's so different and I, perhaps I use the word bonkers sometimes, you know, uh, that, that I wasn't sure is this, you know, any, in any way related to Slack, you know, who, who is doing this podcast and I, I, I had to kind of, you, you know, find out that it actually was you guys and it was your podcast uh, after, yeah. the, after the first couple of listens. And, uh, and also, I, I, I listen to, you know, a lot of podcasts, uh, um, you, you know, to kind of uh, keep my ear to the ground, but also because I, I, I want to be learning. And uh, the, the use case for me to listen to Slack Variety Pack is when I've been listening to, you know, quite a few startup or businessy 
sort of you know deep uh, sort of podcasts uh, as, as such and maybe I'm at, at the airport and I, I want to kind of mix it up a bit that's when I move to Slack Variety Pack because it is just so totally different from everything else that's out there um, and it kind of allows my my brain to kind of switch gears um, and and still learn but it, it, it's, it's just very different and I, I really enjoy it from that perspective so um, that's a, a, a real winner for me. Um, so uh, you mentioned um, uh, some marketing metrics, um, and I, I think you talked about uh, NPS uh, as well. Um, you know, wh- which of the marketing metrics you know have you obsessed about in your first year um, that, that you can share? Yeah, sure. So I think holistically, you know, the first thing I'll, I'll, I'll say is that Slack's on a little bit different, and, and one of the things I've really appreciated is that you know of, of the philosophical viewpoint of how individual or team-specific metrics you have versus more company-wide shared metrics we have, we lean a little bit more towards the latter. So we have a lot of shared company metrics, which all the teams collectively work towards. Uh, and that's been kind of nice and refreshing because I think a lot of times what happens is the teams or the functional teams get so siloed with their metrics and oftentimes they're competing metrics that we have everyone here that kind of marches towards the same drumbeat. Um, so some of the top-level metrics we look at here at Slack is we look at daily active users. That's a real big one for us mm-hmm. from a standpoint of, you know, if you're not using Slack or using it every day, you're really not using it, and it's, and it's a high bar and a high threshold to get to. Uh, we recently announced we hit the 1.7 million daily active user accounts, and that was a really cool milestone for us to, to think that we have that many people using us every single day. Uh, another big one we look at from a, a company-wide perspective is, as you mentioned, Net Promoter Score, or NPS. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about that one because I think that that's a very good proxy of word-of-mouth growth. And it's also, I think, a very long-term indicator of the health of the company. You know, we can, we can certainly help, uh, help accelerate the company in marketing, and, and we can add that fuel to the fire. But you really want to have a really healthy NPS score, which is indicative of just, you know, how much do people love you and are they recommending you? And so um, we track that specifically in marketing because I think marketing just has the tool set to, to track that and to break it down by, by vertical, by segment, by user type. Uh, but we kind of view that as an overall company metric. Um, and then when we kind of get more into marketing, the things that we'll look at is uh, obviously all the brand metrics. So aided, unaided recall, sentiment, share voice, share of conversation. We look at things, uh, you know, organic versus paid uh, leads, teams that are coming in through the, through the various funnels. Um, we're looking at things like cost per team, CAC payback, a lot of the traditional SaaS metrics there. But I would say, you know, holistically, Slack has always put more weight on customer success type metrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, you know, our bar has never been, you know, simply to, you know, did they buy from us and we're happy? It's, it's not if they bought, it's not even if they renewed, it's, it's what they recommend us. Um, and if they recommend us, they're going to have a better experience, they're going to talk to our peers, and we're always going to have a very strong, healthy, organic, word-based uh, growth curve. Okay. And, and regarding MPS, I mean, you know, is it something that all SaaS startups, um, you, you know, should be uh, sort of implementing and, and using, um, or you, you know, at, at what stage do you bring it bring it in? Do you bring it in when you you know hire your first CMO? Yeah, I I think it's a really good metric for any company to have because one, it's so easy to get. I mean, it's it's one question. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> how likely are you to recommend Slack? You know, to your friends and uh, colleagues, scale of one to ten. Uh, you can make it an optional second question, which I recommend is you put the, the why on there. Mm-hmm. And it just gives you so much good data. You know, you can benchmark it against your competitors, against kind of the SaaS industry. 
you can understand like do you are you starting to get product market fit um, you can understand what are the top three reasons I am getting recommended or conversely what are the top three reasons I'm not getting recommended and I know for us here at Slack that really helps shape our positioning you know for a long time uh, you know, we, we debated and went through a lot of cycles, just how do we describe Slack? Because, you know, I think, you know, you've used it, Alex, and some of your listeners has. It's a pretty powerful product, and it's, it's, it was tough to distill down into, you know, one sentence on how to describe it. And I remember when I first joined, I asked, there were about 50 people in the company when I had joined, and I asked everybody, like, well, hey, you know, when someone asks you what Slack is, how do you describe it? And I, I literally got 50 different answers, right? Um, which is, again, why marketing is good. You get a little consistency and talk about how you describe it. But one of the things I eventually ended up doing was I, I really looked at the NPS data, and I was like, well, why are people recommending us? And that's when we started to get around this theme of all your communications in one place. That was like we consistently saw that, like, why people were recommending us. Um, then we consistently saw that, um, you know, people were seeing big reductions in email and improvements in productivity, so we worked that into it. Um, and we consistently saw it was a really simple and easy tool to use. So... You know, now when people ask us, you know, I say, hey, it's a messaging app for teams. Uh, brings together all your team's communications in one place. It eliminates or reduces email. And it's just a simple and fun tool to use. Um, and a lot of that just came off of the NPS survey and us understanding, um, you know, why people like Slack and what are, and conversely, what were the areas we can improve and routing that to the product team um, and making sure it's this good holistic feedback loop. So I, I definitely recommend it. I think it's such a simple thing to do. Um, and the data is so powerful. Okay, awesome. And, and um, you, you know, so you're the f first marketing hire. What roles did you hire for first and why? Yeah, the, the teams I tried to build out um, were really centers of excellence around our analytics uh, and attribution. Mm -hmm. So that was really all the entire marketing tech stack. That's everything from attribution, testing, lead scoring, all, all the, and, you know, the classic marketing tech stack that you build out. Um, building out the product marketing team, uh, and again, that's everything from positioning, sales enablement, um, all the pricing structure, uh, a lot of the, the upgrades, uh, building out nurturing teams. Um, I think that's really important and, and kind of channel agnostically how you nurture your prospects and your customers. Building out the content and the editorial team, uh, and again, looking at that from top, mid, and bottom type funnel content, uh, and then advertising teams. Uh, field marketing teams, you know, I, I really tried to look at it holistically about bringing in the leaders that could then hire those teams there, mm -hmm. but just really centers of excellence around all the different disciplines of, of marketing and how we could scale and, and, you know, bring that into a very hyper growth organization, which was growing as fast as it was. Do you have a, a, a growth hacking team or is that, you know, part of, do you call it another name, you know, have it as part of your analytics team? We have, we have a cross-functional team that works together to think about how do we improve the funnel you know, for us. And that's everything from uh, you know, when they arrive at the homepage, and we've run probably about 20 different uh, you know, A-B tests on the homepage, and we're constantly refining our messaging and our, and our conversion funnel there. We, we spend a lot of time on thinking about going through that sign-up process to become a team. What does that look like? How easy is it to invite other members of the team and going through that process? Um, and then we spend a lot of time on onboarding our customers and making sure they are successful and everything from Slackbot to the videos to the onboarding assistance that we provide. So we have a cross-functional team that, that looks at that. Um, gr growth or growth hacking is always a little hard one. Uh, you know, I think it's it's really important to think about how you're bringing in your prospects and customers and making them successful. Uh, and I, I like that part of the, the growth uh, team, if you will. 
the areas that I'm not as hot on is like really bad growth hacks where, you know, you have someone and you inadvertently get them to give permission to their calendar and you, or their address book and they, you know, email 500 people out to get them to join. And I, I've never really liked that part of growth hacking, but I do think there's yeah, an art and a skill to just bring people in and making sure they have a good experience, you know, and, and at the end of the day, I've always believed a, you know, the brand is the sum of every single experience that they have with you and really mapping out what that looks like holistically from your, um, your support team, your trial, your marketing, your sales, your product, um, and, and just mapping out that funnel and making sure they have a really good and positive, successful experience with you. Awesome. Uh, and um, when, when I was uh, sort of well preparing the, the questions earlier today, um, I sort of had an idea actually to, to crowdsource uh, a question or two. Sure. Um, uh, from a uh, from well from the Slack group that I'm in, so getting a bit <laughs> get, nice. getting a bit meta there, um, and so uh, as I mentioned, I'm in this Slack group of um, you know content marketers, and uh, so the, the question um, uh, or one of the questions anyway that came from uh, Jacob Maroft, uh, who's the CMO of Pipe Top, and um, he's a, actually a guest on the podcast um, uh, this week also. Um, so his question uh, to you was this: uh, uh, He presumes word of mouth is biggest acquisition channel how do you guys measure it optimize for it and encourage it now i think maybe you answered some of the stuff around nps perhaps that's sort of you know uh, related but you know would you agree word of mouth is your biggest acquisition channel and yeah word of mouth is definitely our biggest acquisition channel you know as we pushed into a number of parallel marketing efforts um everything from around content marketing to nurturing to advertising and all the different channels we do there that has um helped accelerate that that core word of mouth but i've always believed like you have to have word of mouth and it kind of gets back to my you know i talked about what a brand is and some of every single experience i i think what we do there is we don't just track word of mouth and, and nps as we talked about that is the proxy at least for me of of what your word of mouth growth is. Um, we really do a lot of initiatives to try to harness and, and, and make sure that is a healthy, ongoing word of mouth growth. And so, for instance, um, our accounts function, which is kind of like the quasi-sales team that we have, uh, we really developed a lot of policies to try to ensure that people had a good experience with us when they went through that buying process. So we do things like a lot of non-standard things. We, we don't have a commissioned uh, sales team. Uh, they stay with you for the entire life cycle of your account. Uh, we have a fair billing policy where if you sign up for 10,000 seats but you only end up using 1,000, we'll give you refunds or credits back for that 9,000 that you didn't use. Um, we, we launched a, an ELA program where you can sign up for 10,000 seats and in the first year you can grow unlimited. Um, again, like very good experiences that we have. And, and I just try to put myself in our buyer's shoes and I know I bought – a lot of software building up marketing tech stacks before, and I know how frustrating it's been, you know, to get oversold, to have a bunch of people working on your account when you buy it, and then when, you know, the deal is signed, they all run away, you know, to have to pay for things like actually support for using your product. And so we've really tried to reinvent what a go-to-market model looks like. Um, on the support side, it's not uncommon to get five or 10-minute responses. We have about four times as many support people than we do accounts or salespeople. Uh, everything we did was just really, really centered around a great experience, you know, for our for our prospects and customers, so that they would recommend us. You know, the bar was will they recommend us, and that 
ensures a healthy ongoing word of mouth growth. So um, it's very much top of mind for us and it's something that we spend um, a lot of cycles on and, and, and that's always the litmus test is, is this better for the customer and will it help them recommend us more? Okay, okay. And um, building conferences and communities in the, the offline world are you know, fairly commonplace with um, B2B SaaS companies. Uh, obviously, you've got Dreamforce and um, yeah. you know, Gainsight do um, their Pulse com- uh, conference and Boxworks and you know, many others. Will, will there be a, a Slack conf? Um, you know, and, and if so, you know, who, who attends that? I, I imagine this, that would be a, a great customer experience and a, and a, and a great after party as well. But, uh, you know, what, yeah. what, what's, the, what's the plans there? Yeah, we're, we're, we, we, we're building up and building out that uh, marketing events team or field marketing mm-hmm. team. So we've started to do a couple events. We've had a couple of uh, ones at our office here. We brought in some of our customers and had a chance for them to talk to product managers and hear a little bit more about the roadmap. And we're excited for 2016 to you know put a little more calories behind that. So we'll probably have more of a, a rotating city tour. We'll be able to go out and really just talk to customers, um, understand you know how they're using Slack, let them talk to other fellow customers. You know, I remember when I went to Salesforce, uh, I was clued into a very simple strategy they had, which was, you know, run an event, have half be customers, half be prospects, um, talk about the product, but then basically have an open bar and let the existing happy customers talk to the uh, new prospects and just let them do the selling. <laughs> and I always thought that was a pretty simple strategy and it works, right? You know, if you, if you are building a product and a service that, is generally going to have people really love it and have a great experience. And, you know, ultimately your customers are your best salespeople and, you know, having a way for them to interact with existing customers and talk to prospects. That's, that's so powerful. Um, and so I, I think, you know, that's probably the strategy we'll be taking is, um, having these conferences where new people can learn about Slack, talk to existing customers, uh, but also have it just be very centric on helping existing customers succeed. And, and not a really salesy type conference, but just ones where, again, people can have a good experience with Slack, learn something new, and talk to public customers. Okay, also awesome. well, we'll be uh, keeping our eyes uh, and ears open for, for that, see what happens in, in 2016. And you mentioned um, uh, Salesforce there. Now, yeah. uh, um, you know, what have you learned about marketing uh, in this first year at Slack that you didn't already know from your time at Salesforce and Zendesk? What, what's really sort of different, uh, um, I, I guess, sort of between the three uh, companies and the positions you've held with them? Yeah, I think they were all three phenomenal companies, and I think I learned an incredible amount in each one. You know, at Salesforce, you know, I, I think I learned from Mark just how important it was to have a really passionate leader at the top that was um, really having everyone march towards a single goal, and, and that was always customer success at Salesforce, and, you know, how important that is to really put yourselves in your, your customer's shoes. Um you know, I, I think at Zendesk, it was it was a little bit of a different market. It was more just purely focused on the customer support side. Um, and that was an incredible experience. And Mikkel was just a phenomenal CEO. And just the empathy he had for all of our customers and what they were going through. Um, and, and different go-to-market models where I think Salesforce uh, still kind of had a classical, traditional sales-heavy go-to-market model. I think Zendesk was a little bit more on the self-service model from an SMB standpoint and reaching out. And then I think coming to Slack and just, uh, again, kind of 
reinventing what a go-to-market model looks like because here we had a very almost consumer-type play from the standpoint that we had almost every single vertical could use us, every single function in a, um, an organization could use us, all company segments and sizes could use us. And, and that's something that's always been passionate from my standpoint is I think in SaaS, it was always a little bit disappointing that you would see tremendous innovation from a product standpoint um, but yet a lot of B2B companies, and even within SaaS, would use very old, dusty, 30-year-old B2B playbooks on, on how to go to market for that. And, and I think that you know, us as leaders on the go-to-market side, whether you're in marketing, sales, support, like there are new and innovative ways on in how to sell and market and make your customers successful. And everything from the metrics to how you organize, the incentives you use, um, those are all really important, and, and I think there's an, a tremendous amount of innovation that's happening there. And you know, I'm really excited to help bring some of that to Slack and to really make our customers um, incredibly successful. Awesome. So uh, we are uh, coming to the end of the show now, Bill, and this is a, a, a new question that I've been asking the uh, recent podcast guests, um, uh, and really keen to to hear your answer here. So it, it's um, you know, what has been the secret to your success? Uh, I always say it's my teams, you know, I'm, I am here for the sole reason to inspire them to do the best work of their lives, um, and to, and to make them successful, you know? So I, I've been really blessed to have incredible teammates that I've worked with, um, incredible people on my team. And I, I think my, my philosophy has always been, you know, don't be territorial, don't be a empire builder, you know, just, just try to provide value, help out, learn new things, try different things out. Um, you know, and also be someone that you'd want to work with. So um, I, I, I don't know. I've, I've been fortunate to work with some amazing companies and some amazing teams. And, you know, the success I've had is really a byproduct of that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you, you've been a fantastic uh, uh, guest today, Bill. It's really lived up to my uh, expectations. Um, uh, so thanks for being on the show. Um, and then to, to, to those listening, if, uh, if you love this episode, you know, we'd greatly appreciate if you were ready to review the podcast. Um, also note that uh, those Slack notification noises were not added post-production <laughs> and, and, and Bill is actually eating his own dog food or drinking his own champagne. I apologize for that. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, it's great to hear. It's really added something, I think. Um, so no, that's, that, that's awesome. But yeah, thanks so much, Bill. And um, yeah, no, it's, been, uh, it's been a real pleasure. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Alex. It was yeah. great to talk to you. Thank you.